Well, good evening, the assembly. It is great to be here tonight. It is an honor and a privilege to share the word of God with you. Um, a few weeks ago, I was going to have the opportunity to speak right here on this very platform, and y'all had a thing called a tornado. Um, so we canceled right in the middle of like the second worship song, and we headed uh, to tornado shelters. And so I am excited about having the opportunity to share the word of God with you tonight. I don't feel there's any greater privilege on the face of this earth than being able to open God's word and read what he has for us. And I truly believe tonight that God has something special in store for us as we prepare. Pastor preached a great sermon. Susie just set the atmosphere for what God is going to do tonight. So I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer and just pray that he would continue uh, just to be here with us, watch over us, and guide us tonight as we dig into what he has. Let's pray. God, we just thank you tonight. Lord, you are truly good. Lord, I stand here tonight as a product of your grace and your mercy. Lord, I pray tonight that you would bless everything that takes place, Lord. Lord, that you would anoint the words that you have given to me, Lord, as they proceed out of my mouth. Father, we thank you and praise you for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Pastor Joseph told you that I am from Texas. I've lived there all my life. And some of you, that doesn't sit very well. But I will let you know that I did marry an Okie. My wife is from Lawton, Oklahoma. So my daughter was born in Texas, but she's too young to remember that, so I will claim her as a Texas girl, and you, you can claim her as an Oklahoma girl. So I'm proud to be here tonight. About three years ago, August will be three years ago, my wife and I got married, and uh, we decided to go on a little thing called a honeymoon. Now, as we got on our honeymoon, we decided to take a trip, and, and we actually jumped on a cruise ship, and, and we enjoyed some time together. And I remember one of my fondest moments of the whole honeymoon was when we arrived at Grand Cayman. We were at Grand Cayman, and, and I'm an adventure person. I'm one of those people that I visited the emergency room almost as much as I visited school. I was there all the time. I loved to get into things. I was mischievous. I just had fun, and I enjoyed life. So we pull up to the Grand Caymans, and, and we get off the boat, and, and we're walking along the beach, and I see these kayaks. Now, I see these kayaks just sitting there on the beach, and the water is just amazingly beautiful. I've been to the Gulf in Texas, and I can tell you right now, it, it's, it's ugly compared to what the water at the Grand Caymans look. Beautiful blue, almost like a screensaver on your, on your computer. And so we get there, and I see the kayak, and I'm like, we got to go. You know, we can't just let this kayak sit on the beach. It's a waste of a great kayak. And so I, I talk to my wife, and I'm like, babe, come on, let's get in the kayak. And I convince her to get in a kayak with me. So we're in the kayak, and, and, and we're trying to get it out, and, you know, we're doing the whole tipsy top, you know, like just trying to get in the water enough um, that we can keep this boat upright. So we set out into the cool blue water, and, and, and I'm just enjoying it. We get out about five feet, <laughs> maybe, and there's a fish about this big. My wife doesn't like fish, not even fish this big. And so we're out there, and, and, and Lauren's like, man, you, no, no. If we were to tip, because we still haven't got the coordination down, so, we, you know, we're still doing that. She says, no, 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 take me back. We're newlyweds. Still have some say in the relationship. <laughs> babe, come on, babe, we can make it. They tell us that there's a ship that's wrecked, and you can snorkel, and so you have me with my big goggles on my head and my little flipper feet stuck in the kayak, and, and I'm trying to convince my wife to go out there with me and experience this together. So the fish swims away. Got it made. So we paddle about another 10 feet out there, 
And this time we see a fish about this big. It's very early in my relationship that I learned that I don't wear the pants. So we get out and my, and my wife just, she stops paddling. She's done. She's checked out and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to convince her and I know I'm, I'm fighting a losing battle. There's no way. I'd have to hit her in the head with a paddle and just leave her back there if we were going to go out any further. So we're in the paddle and she says, just take me back. So of course I say, okay, and I take her back. And she goes and she sets and she's watching me and, and of course I've still got to go. I paid for that kayak. There is no way I'm taking that thing back. And so I finally get out there, and I'm paddling. I'm paddling my little heart out because it's a big kayak. It's a two-person kayak. You know, and I'm waving, thinking, hey, thanks, you know. So I get out there, and, and, and I can see the ship in the water. I can see the ship that was wrecked, and, and the water is just beautiful. And there's fish everywhere, and I'm like, man, this is amazing. And so I'm still trying to figure out the best way to get out of the kayak, of course, because I'm not used to a kayak. And I figure out all you got to do is lean one way and you get out of the kayak. (laughs) So I got out of the kayak, strapped on my goggles, and and I dove down and I looked at this ship that was wrecked. And I was sitting there and I was in awe of how beautiful the shipwreck was and just how beautiful everything looked. And I I saw the fish and, and then I started thinking about the guys who were on that ship. I have a feeling that at the moment that that ship ran aground, they weren't enjoying it as much as I was that day. And so I thought about it, and I thought about the beauty of the picture, but then I also started thinking about the guys who were on board that ship and the fear and the things that happened that led up to that ship being sunk and what happened to do that. Because if it's a good boat, you don't want that thing to be underwater. And I started thinking about it, and I read a story in Acts chapter 27. If you want to turn there, that's going to be the heart of what we read tonight. And tonight we're going to be talking about Paul. Now, as you know, Paul does a great many things in the New Testament. He writes a ton of of the New Testament. And I love looking at Paul and what Paul wrote and and learning from what Paul did because my story resonates with Paul and the fact that he didn't always get it right. And I enjoy the the story of Paul, and Paul starts out in Acts 27. We pick up in the second part of verse 9. And it said, So Paul warned them. Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. As I read this story, I thought about Paul and I thought about the situation that Paul was in because I know that many times we get ourselves into those situations. You know, we make poor decisions and something happens and we put ourselves in a bad situation. And we should have known better, we shouldn't have been there. But Paul is in a little bit different of a situation. Paul is a victim of someone else's choice. Paul tries to plead with them and Paul says, guys, it's not going to be good. You have to understand that I don't agree with us heading out. I don't think it's wise. And the people say, you know what? We're going to anyway. Some of us in this room have been a a victim of other people's choices. Maybe you're a student and your parents have gotten a divorce. You're a victim of a choice that you couldn't help. Maybe you're an adult and you wanted as bad as you could for the relationship to work out and you wanted to make the marriage work and instead it ends up broken and shattered because someone else doesn't want to resolve the issues. 
Maybe it's abuse. Something that was completely out of your hands that you had no control over that happened to you when you were unable to stand up for yourself. Maybe it's something like the death in a, in a family. For me, being the youngest, my sisters are all way older than me. I have a 35-year-old sister, um, 38, and a 42. So as I came along late in life, death surrounded me. My grandparents and things started passing away. And sometimes a death can shape you. It wasn't a choice you made. You loved the person, but at some point... The situation didn't work out like you wanted. Maybe in this economy it's the loss of a job. Maybe you're the provider and things didn't work out and you wanted to provide for your family. Maybe you experienced the loss of a job. It wasn't your choice to walk away, but someone else made a choice that made you have to walk away. You see, I've learned that sometimes while the choice may not be ours, those choices can still cost you. People spend years at the mercy of someone else's decisions that continue to affect the quality of life that they have. What you wanted, what should have happened, doesn't really change what really did happen. When I was little, me and my dad used to spend a lot of time together, and and as I was growing up, I loved... My dad is one of those old guys. He's about 65 years old. Sorry if you're that old. I really didn't mean it. You're just more experienced than I am. You would have known not to have said that. <laughs> but my dad used to always have little nuggets of wisdom. And, and I don't know if you've ever had a child or you've ever been around a child. But I would always say life's not fair. My sisters were old enough to do things. And I was just running around. And I would always say, you know what? Life's not fair. And my dad would always come back. And I remember he would always say, I've been to a fair once. You know, I've learned that life's not fair. Pastor Ron spoke about it this morning, about God being constant, but change is all around us. The question I have for you tonight is how long are you willing to pay on a choice that may not have been yours? See, some of us are fighting just to hold it all together. In fact, as you go on in Acts verses 13 through 20, You find that they've reached a place and Paul is there. They're faced with a decision. Verse 13 says, When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. I've learned that just because something looks good doesn't always mean it is. Just because sometimes we think it's what what we want doesn't always mean that that's what's best for us or that's what we need. So they weighed anchor and they sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force, called the Northeaster, swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Kada, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship to hold it together. Now, I started thinking about this, and I was thinking about this ship, and, and, and they pass around the bottom of the boat, and they tie it because the wood, the wood and the boards are starting to creak. They're starting to make noise, and, and it's scary because when you're in the middle of the ocean, it's not like you can get off at the next stop. 
You can't just say, you know what, I'm ready to be off this, and you jump off. No, you're in the middle of the ocean. You know, and while the ship looked good, they were just trying to hold it together. Tonight, as I look out across this auditorium, I look at you, and and you guys look all put together. You look great. But I wonder tonight how many of you are just trying to hold it together. You're hanging on for dear life. You're in the middle of a storm. And while on the outside it looks good, inside there's this internal thing that's happening. And you just feel like you're trying to hold it all together. Fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. The others thought that they had attained what they wanted. Then the situation changed. Paul and his companions are caught in the middle of the storm that's driving them along wherever it pleases. They were at the mercy of the storm, and and they dropped a sea anchor, and and it's this thing that maybe it's a sail, maybe it's something. It just increases the drag so you don't go quite so fast because things are moving too fast, and they're not in control of the situation. What surprises me is that they've thrown overboard all of the normal stuff that you would need if you plan on staying on the ship. Luke thought it important enough to say that they threw the tackle overboard with their own hands. Nothing happened to sweep it off the deck. Nothing happened that was because of the storm. It was because they were so afraid and they were so scared that they began trying to lighten the load and get rid of everything so maybe the storm would just push them fast enough to get somewhere else. One of the shows that I watch on TV you might be familiar with is a show called Deadliest Catch. Now, I don't know if you've seen Deadliest Catch. If you haven't, you've got to watch this show Because this, for me, is stupidity at its highest level. As I watch this show and I'm thinking about it, I'm a pretty good swimmer. I think I can swim pretty good at church camp. You know, I got at least sixth place every once in a while. But I see these guys and these swells that are coming over the top of the ship. And and I'm thinking, man, what is wrong with you guys? They better be getting some incredible paychecks. As I think about it, I'm watching the show, and you see these swells, and you see them heading into storms, and it's literally the deadliest job on the face of the earth. And I think about it, and I'm like, man, these guys, I don't see how in the world they could stay on board the ship or in good conscience choose to leave that port and go out into it. And as I watch that show, I I wonder if, if that's what Paul was facing, these swells that are just coming over the the top of the rail of the ship, and, and, the, and the ship looks dwarfed by the size of these waves and the power that's in these waves. I think about the physical impact that these waves can have. Then I think about my own life. I think about some of the storms that I went through. Growing up, I was a pastor's kid, and, and for me, most of the offenses that came into my life were a direct result of the church. My mom and my dad, when somebody didn't like how the church was ran or when things, how things were going, as a child, I couldn't understand what was going on in the church. 
Eventually it got to a point, and what I would say one of the stormiest times in my life is when my dad stepped away from pastoring. My home life was not secure. Everything I knew about church, about God, about family, I felt like it had all been ripped away. And I started thinking about it, and I thought about the storms, and this was during the years when I was younger. I was probably in between 7 and 10, sometime around there. And I started looking at the storm that I'd faced, and I started looking at the way it shaped me. Most times when people look at me, they say, oh, you're a pastor's kid. That makes sense. Now you're a pastor. I want to look at him and say, in spite of being a pastor's kid, I'm a pastor. Because you don't understand the way that the church comes home with you. I didn't have the benefit of disconnecting family and God and relationship and those things. So during one of the biggest storms of my life, the storm was raging. My parents were separating. Everything that I knew and everything that I thought I could hold on to literally seemed like it had been tossed overboard. And I was there alone in the middle of a sea. I've learned that storms can determine how willing you are to hang on. For many years after that, I spent years letting someone else's choices affect me. I gave up hope, gave up turning to God, and I decided that I would handle things on my own. You see, because even when you know a storm's coming and you know it's going to be bad, it doesn't make it any easier to stand on that deck and look for land. Even when you're trying to brace yourself, sometimes in the middle of that storm, it gets so intense that you just don't know what to do. Because everything that you've held on to, every shred of things that seem normal, sometimes those are taken away and there is nothing solid underneath you. As I read this story, I think it reminds me that there's times when even the strong get to points they want to give up. But I love as I read my word in 2 Corinthians 12... Verse 9, that it says his strength is made perfect in my weakness. I don't always have to be strong because I can lean on a God who, just like Pastor Ron said this morning, he never changes. He never changed even though my years and the things that I did, I changed, I grew, I learned, I matured. God was always there waiting on me. See, I've learned that if you can hang on in the storm, people begin to notice. As they're in the middle of this this storm that's raging, as they're in the middle of this ocean, there's 276 people on board, and they're scared to death. We pick up in verse 21. It says, After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, You should have taken my advice not to sell from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Sometimes in the middle of what you're going through, it doesn't help when people come to you and say, you should have known better. When they look at you and and they look at you and you think, you know what? You should have known better. But Paul stands up and he tells him, he said, you should have listened to my advice. I told you this was going to happen. But now... I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. 
you must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sell with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. I love that in the middle of the storm that is raging, Paul has an encounter with God. God sends a word to him to encourage him, but not only him, it encourages the people around him. I love that God tells him that he's going to stand trial before Caesar, which could cost him his life. It's not like God is painting this pretty picture where you're going to be fine and once you run aground, things will be grand. He tells him that you're going to still stand trial before Caesar. Christianity is not accepted as it is here. That could very well cost Paul his life. But it encourages Paul and it strengthens Paul. And it gives him the courage to reassure the other 275 people on board that they'll be saved. I love that Paul exudes courage when others are despairing. As I was here this morning, I couldn't help but be overcome with the story of the family that's so, de- so devoted to God that at 8.30 this morning, even though his wife had passed away, he checked in students. God, help me to be as devoted as committed to the call to stand as strong when life gets tough, when the storms are raging, that I can still have my life as a testimony and I can speak to others and encourage them to hold steady because you're going to survive what you're going through. I love that God elevated Paul in the middle of the storm. Not only as a voice of calm, not only as a voice of strength and courage, but also as a testimony to the sustaining hand of God. God will sustain us. None of us will be lost. We will be okay. I remember one night in the middle of my storm and and the things that were raging, I was in college, I'd been doing my own thing, didn't profess to be a Christian, didn't pretend, didn't put on those things because hypocrites really bothered me. I was doing my own thing and one night I'd gotten to the end of my rope. I'd gotten to the point like Paul where they just begin throwing everything that they can themselves. They've reached a moment of despair. I'd gotten to the end of my rope and I was in my college dorm room all by myself. It was at South Plains College in Level Land and I remember that night that I had made some bad choices. And I cried out to God and I said, God, just sustain me. God, let me make it through this night. And I literally remember the words that I said to him. I said, God, if you allow me to make it through this night, whatever you ask of me, I will do. If you ask me to be a janitor and that helps me to feel fulfilled, I will do it. If it's cleaning the church bathrooms, God, I'll do it. God, just help me not to feel empty. I want to feel satisfied. I want to feel fulfilled. And at the middle of all of that, I remember God's presence invading my life. He didn't just show up. He invaded the room. And I had an encounter with God that over these last six years has sustained me. 
Because I would like to say that when I devoted my life to Christ and I said, God, I'm going to follow you all out, that things immediately changed. The situations immediately changed. Things began to work out. I would love to say, you know what? God just began to do. But I learned there was a journey he had to take me on. If you would have told me six years ago that I would be standing in the middle of a pulpit in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, I would have laughed in your face. But God chose to sustain me. I have faith that it will happen just like he told me in that dorm room when he spoke to me that night. Some of you have had God speak dreams into your life that he wants to remind you that he's still there with you. In the middle of what you're going through, even though it seems bad, even though the storms are raging, the seas are swelling, he's right there beside you. The story this morning of of Mike and the guy who led him to Christ up here rocked my world. Because I think of the impact that he had and he faced life's storms and now he's back again serving God. And I think about the impact that he had upon Mike's life and the road that Mike has traveled down because someone had the courage to reach out. I love that in Scripture, in Mark 4, as you're reading the Gospel, the disciples are in a similar situation. They're in the boat, the waves are rocking, the storm is there. I love that Jesus stands up and he just says, peace, be still. Disciples were amazed and they said, Who is this man that the wind and the waves obey him? Some of you tonight just need to hear, Peace, be still. Peace, be still. In whatever situation you're going through, be still and know that he is still God. Be still and know that in the middle of what you're going through, God hasn't lost track of where you are. In the middle of an ocean miles away from what they thought to be solid, God was as solid as he had ever been. It reminds me of the story of a little boy who the ship was wrecked and he was on, on, they found him the next day and he was on a rock and they went to talk to him and they said, weren't you afraid? And the boy said, yes, I was afraid. But the rock had never moved. Some of you need to know tonight that God is still there and he's standing strong and he wants nothing more than to grab you and hold you and say, it's going to be okay. Your situation will turn into a testimony. God moments change everything. God moments change everything. No matter the storm. Because I know it personally when things have gotten rough, I can point back to that night when God met me at my point of my greatest need and he reassured me, he reaffirmed me, he reestablished me and he said, you're going to be okay. God is with us in the middle of our storms. Emotions don't reveal the quality of my life. They only reveal the quality of my thinking. If God is sustaining you, there is a reason And there is a purpose for you being here. Some of you have come into this place this night at the end of your rope. Life has thrown you some things that you have no control over. And you are still letting it mess up the day and your today that God has given you. Jeannie Mayo had a quote that says, Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die from it. You need to make your own decision to let go 
of someone else's bad decisions that are still controlling your life. Peace, be still. Some of you have had control and you've messed it up yourself. There's a measure of personal responsibility that you need to accept and say, I've made some bad decisions, but God, tonight, I lean into your arms of grace and mercy. God, tonight, I need your reassurance that you love me and that you care for me. Paul's life is a great example of what can be out of what was. The ship indeed ran aground. You read later on in the story, but everyone... Every single person, those that could swim and those that could not, made it to shore safely. I'm here to tell you tonight that God can be with you and reestablish your feet on firm ground. Whether you know it, whether you've experienced it, whether you believe it right now, there is a God who would love to come alongside you and establish a firm footing for you. As the worship team makes their way up here tonight, I may not be able, to be able to explain what happened in your life. There's some things that I won't understand even till the day I die, and there's some things that I wish I did. I can't tell you why it happened, what happened, the reasoning. I can't tell you that. But I can tell you, tonight, you can go from victim to victor. You can go from being in the middle of it, not knowing where to turn, and run tonight into the arms of a loving God who wants to remind you of those past experiences. And more than just remind you of those past experiences, he wants to let you experience him tonight. Tonight, God wants to meet you. Whatever your point of need is, I don't know. Whatever you're going through, I don't know. On the outside, you look like you have it all together, but I know that there's a God who's crying out and longing to be with you in the middle of your storm. Tonight, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I never want to take for granted an opportunity to stand in God's presence. never want to take an opportunity for granted for someone to commit their life to Christ. Tonight, if you say, Pastor Justin, I'm not walking in a relationship with God, and and I want to get that right, first and foremost. If that's you tonight, would you raise your hand? Maybe tonight you would say, you know what, Pastor Justin? I just need to be reminded in the middle of my storm that God is here. I need to hear peace be still. If that's you tonight, would you raise your hand? love that God looks on the heart. God knows tonight what you can never express to me in hours of conversation, what you could never put into words. God knows tonight exactly what you're going through. Tonight, if everyone would stand to your feet. We're going to give you a few minutes at these altars just to be refreshed just to be reminded that God is still the master of the wind and the waves and that God can still speak peace into the situation. Tonight, we're going to give you an opportunity to step out of your seats.
You don't have to come down here, but just take a few minutes to remember who he is. God, we thank you tonight. God, that you care about us, that you're concerned. God, that your eye is on us. And God, I just pray tonight that you would speak peace to hearts tonight. God, that you would comfort. God, that you would mend the brokenhearted as your word says you would. God, that you would just say, peace be still. God, no matter how bad it is, no matter how bad it looks, no matter what we're going through, God, surround us with your presence. Overshadow us with your hand, and God, let your spirit fall in this sanctuary tonight. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that we can stand firm upon the things that you've done. God, we thank you tonight. In Jesus' name.